Hey there, everyone. Thanks for joining us here on this week's edition of the What's What? Just a friendly, chill reminder that the 2021 holiday retail ground shipping deadline, a lot of words in a row, for delivery before December 25th is, wait for it, today. No, 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 no. Today? Oh, yeah. Today. So move, 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 people. We're going to need to hurry this along. I've got a lot of uh, shopping to do. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. See, you are heeding my warning. But before you run to the post office, we got to do the trends. So I'm your host, Matt Marcotte, joined this week by Alex Drinker. Hello. Celeste Richardson. Hello. And J.R. Kelly is joining us again two weeks in a row. What up? (laughs) And we will have James Murphy joining us for our fourth trend. Hello, James. Good to be here. Unfortunately, Sarah cannot make it today. So who's starting us off? I think I am. Yeah, let's go ahead and do this. And uh, what better way to start by talking about chocolate? Mm. And uh, any trend that talks about chocolate should, again, have the top spot. I don't think anyone will fight you on that one, JR. Well, uh Good. Just because uh, when you thought you couldn't love Reese's anymore. I'm not sure you can. That's top spot for me. <laughs> Totes. But now you really can, even yeah. though my waistline shows after Halloween and Thanksgiving, because Reese's just launched a limited edition online only giant peanut butter cup pie mm. that consumers could order directly to their homes. Um, I think I would like to tell you that this is the best thing I have ever heard. It's amazing. I used to be a big pumpkin pie fan, but no more because peanut butter cup pies sold out in less than three hours. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm surprised it took that long. What's wrong know, with so people? True. Seriously. So, you know, they probably had a slow internet day. Uh, you know, this is big because now Reese's is getting email addresses and credit cards on file, which gives them and other brands the opportunity to sell more often to their most loyal customers. Uh, this is really genius. I mean, chocolate aside. (laughs) Now I'm very hungry. But, you know, when we think about this through the lens of CG, a a legacy brand like Reese's, a lot of times they're doing 80 to 90% of their sales through retail. So D2C is really a sticky subject. So seeing them get smart and offering their most loyal customers something unique is really special. And it's a great way for them to dip the toes into D2C and really start to build that first party data set. So Mm -hmm. it's very cool. It's exciting to see a longstanding brand like Reese's honestly do something different. And more importantly, it seemed work, which um, now I'm going to keep us moving. So how much do you guys know about the shift to Web3? Honestly, not enough. It's really hard to wrap my head around. So are you going to teach us about it today, Alex? I am. And there's a lot to cover. I had my hard time wrapping my head around the Matrix when it first came out, too. So kind of the same thing. So we're going to start high level today. In contrast to Web 2, where the web is organized in a central way, think big platforms like Facebook, Amazon dominating that space, we will see a much more decentralized internet with Web 3. So as the world moves from Web 2 to Web 3, this means a massive shift on how brands and retailers reach consumers in these communities. So true. And and the thing with Web 3 is crypto technologies like blockchains will just be an enabler, giving more power to individuals we're going to organize themselves in a more decentralized way in smaller communities. How's that for expertise? Thank you. Yes. And it's all about those communities. And those communities could really be anything. Moms, fans, artists, runners, or channels like Discord or even Slack. Hint, hint. Uh, just, although I don't know anything. Uh, just, you know, <laughs> not Facebook. 
Um, See you, Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly, the problem with those smaller communities is that traditional broadcast advertising is not working anymore. And those mm. communities share their own identity, values, beliefs, and brands like Adidas or Louis Vuitton will need to think about how to credibly enter those communities and add value to them and then co-create with them and also let them participate in the success, e.g. by sharing revenue. Huh. I mean, as you can imagine, this means giving away at least some degree of control for your brand to make it fit into the community. Uh, you know, this typically is a no-go for really strong legacy brands. I mean, imagine the community that wants to change the Nike swoosh. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's happening anytime soon. <laughs> no. But, you know, I think what I know about it, right, is Web3 is all about cutting out that middleman. So, and it's allowing retailers to really think about how they find their own way into Web3 uh, by identifying which communities they have amongst their buyership and how they can serve them, right? This goes back to something we say all the time. It's not a one-size-fits-all approach for everybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's going to have to be for certain brands to really engage a community on this platform. Yeah, I mean, look at Adidas. They just had a a major move into this space uh, by starting a collaboration with a community called Board Ape Yacht Club, B-A-Y-C, that sells rare NFTs uh, or crypto art. I actually know a friend who bought one. Um, Mm -hmm. And so far, Board Ape Yacht Club has stayed independent, but now they've partnered with a commercial brand for the first time and co-created art um, with them. So um, I think this is just the beginning and there's a ton more to come on this. Super fascinating. I learned a lot. Thank you, Alex, Matt, and JR on educating me. But um, I can also tell you that there needs to be more to come when it comes to responsible sourcing. Uh, We totally hear you. (laughs) Responsible sourcing and sustainability in total is, I mean, let's just face it, it's hard. Yes. And the sustainability efforts of retailers and brands are really coming under scrutiny lately. And responsible sourcing is really where companies are falling short of stakeholder expectations. Womp womp. I know. (laughs) Sorry for the downer right before the holidays, everybody. But, uh, you know, when you look at brands like IKEA, who is a sustainability champion, they were actually recently accused of missteps in sourcing. And so if even Ikea is struggling to make this work. How are other companies faring? It it feels like they're probably having some missteps of their own as well. I mean, why does like the right way always have you such a pain in the took as? It's just the way of the world, unfortunately. (laughs) Thank you, wise Celeste. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, So well-run retailers and brands have, for the most part, they have a handle on their own operations and they can monitor what's happening inside their companies. But you know, getting to that same level of visibility into the operations of their suppliers is a lot, a lot, a lot trickier. A lot trickier (laughs) than you would think. And I'll try to keep it brief because if not, I'm sure you will get a headache with all these challenges. Mm -hmm. So think about it. 93% of consumers expect brands to support social and environmental issues. Many consumers rely on retailers to make sure nothing evil ends up in their shopping baskets, which we know is hard to do Mm -hmm. with kind of transparency in the supply chain and who knows what's going on behind the scenes. But are supplier commitments and certifications enough or do retailers need to monitor supplier operations? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, it's probably the latter, but, uh, you know, brands that can credibly commit to higher sustainability standards through their supply chains can help retailers manage their reputation risks, which they will absolutely like. So. 
Yeah. And we, we have said this here, you've heard it here multiple times, <laughs> over 50% of consumers are willing to pay more for sustainable brands, right? So we know there's a clear opportunity to turn a reputation for sustainability into some handsome profits, mm-hmm. which is not the point, but it is the point, right? Um, <laughs> and for our fourth and final trend of the week, James Murphy is here to round us out. What are you talking about today, Mr. Murphy? Thanks for having me again. Um, I've been on before and we've talked about RFID before. You know how I like IoT and RFID and all those fun things. But uh, it's it's another basically use case proving that RFID is like the new duct tape of the retail industry uh, with just one more amazing use that I heard about this week that I wanted to share. Well, please, when you put it like that, share away. All right, so CVS just recently announced a really cool new feature in their mobile app called Spoken RX, and it's a feature that allows prescription information to be read aloud, leveraging an RFID-enabled prescription bottle, and this is going to elevate the overall customer experience. So it helps those that are blind, visually impaired, or many of us over 40 that have, you know, cheaters all over the place and never have them at the right place at the right time to actually see what we're, we're looking at when we're holding that bottle. James, I feel like you're speaking to me directly. I mean, listen, the text on those bottles is so small. I'd say it's pretty much perfect for just about anyone if you're an ant. <laughs> I mean, there's always a certain amount of squinting required for, for anyone. So don't take it personally, Matt. Okay. It's all right. It's okay. Yeah. And honestly, yeah, to put us back on track, I mean, the, the modern customer, they are demanding these rich experiences and conveniences. And CVS is really demonstrating that they are seeking to better understand their customer base. And they're investing to not only amplify and streamline these digital pharmacy services, but they're also increasing accessibility options, which is extremely important. Yeah, James, RFID has come such a long way. And I, I just want you to know that I now think I can get on board with your duct tape analogy. Um, you know, listen, from a simple product locator to highly accurate stock accuracy to real-time stock movements in and out of the store to reduction of lost sales and increases in operational efficiency, you get the point. The Essentially, carrying the benefits of these RFID-enabled products into post-purchase engagements will offset the upfront tech investment and really grow CLV. I hear you. And, and the day is going to come where every consumer product label has a digital twin. And the links between this physical and digital, really, it really starts with, with what we can do with QR and RFID and so many things. CPG companies are also investing in RFID. As they put that on their product labels, it's going to really help benefit directly and indirectly their partners, their supply chain, and everyone they, they interact with across the board. It's so cool. And by the way, I, I literally love it. You just talked about digital twins. We'll be talking a lot more about that in the future, I can tell. Anyway, thank you, James. Thank you all for this week's breakdown of the retail and CG trends. In case you're curious as to what we have in the rest of this week's newsletter, here's what you'll find. In Goodreads, enjoy more about the seven restaurant industry trends you need to know, Nike Land and the Metaverse, PayPal's Buy Now and Pay Later program is soaring, and what convenience stores are doing right. But before we close it out for the week, Celeste, what's Spark Enjoy? I, this might be like one of my favorite ones ever. So, oh. Wow, that's saying a lot. <laughs> I know, I know. So what if you don't have a regal beagle? Everyone needs a royal portrait of their pet hanging on their walls. 
you finally get me, Celeste. I, know. Um, I, I, I hate to tell you this, but I actually have one of these. <laughs> you, know, you, do. you do? I know. I, I actually do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Well, so like Matt, whether you have a dog, cat, I mean, even a porcupine, rooster, hamster, whatever you want, you can turn them into a masterpiece. So Crown and Paw lets you pick from more than 150 outfit options from Renaissance to jobs to favorite TV and movie characters and more. Um, we actually uh, put Gunner into what is now the Hamilton outfit. He went, oh from, being, he went from being a, a rescue dog to an aristocrat. It's amazing. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> You're going to have to share a picture, Matt. But We'll put it uh, in the newsletter. Yes. So these have been floating around for a while, but if you were looking for a sign to capture the essence of your pet forever in a ridiculous getup or a Hamilton outfit, which I do not think is ridiculous, <laughs> the what's what is here to say, what are you waiting for? Way to save your job there, Celeste. I will say nothing. <laughs> I've already ordered five. Yeah, talk about yeah, talk about saving your job. <laughs> I just I just filmed like five people on my Christmas list. I know it's ideas. a good gift. See, yeah. see, everybody. see, you all wanted to make fun of me, but I'm telling you, it's amazing. It's a lot cheaper than actually getting something from a real art gallery. Anyway, um, so thank you all for hanging with us. Catch you next week. Now. Go and mail those Christmas gifts, like I told you at the beginning. Catch you on the other side. Bye, guys. Bye.